Hello, Dave. This is your choice. Hi, Chris. Yeah, it is my choice. Um, this is a song, the first proper song. Well, are we saying this? Is, no, we, this probably isn't even the first proper song on this album, is it, really? We uh, we sort of come to a conclusion that Prelude 3.0 is, is much more of a proper intro than the other one. I'm rambling already. This isn't started well. <laughs> we are going to give it its own episode. Yes, yeah. So this is this is like the ta-da moment on Volume 3, which is probably my favourite Slipknot album. Yeah, I think that's fair. And... I guess, why did I put this one forward? I don't feel ready to tick off this album's big singles quite yet, but this was a single and it's something that I've just loved ever since I first pushed play on volume three. And I think, I think there's a lot to enjoy here. Lots. It's just a, a gnarly rager of a, of a, an opener inverted commas, isn't it? You go prelude 3.0, this, 3-0, you're up and running and you're in for a lovely time. Yeah, for the uninitiated, what we're doing here is taking every Slipknot song one by one and we are putting it under the microscope and we're going to rank them all, score, score each one out of nine and rank them all at the end. So to give it its proper context, third album recorded in 2004 with Rick Rubin. It's an album that has become renowned for being a bit of a departure from what came before it and is... I'm going to say equally revered and disliked by fans of the band. It feels like people that we talk to, including both of us, really love this record. Yeah. But you see people talking about how they don't like it, how it's their least favourite Slipknot album as well. That's baffling to me, but there you go. It was the, we're saying the sixth single from this album. I think if you, yeah, the Nameless Live as well was, was named as a single. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you've got Duality Vermilion 1 and 2 before I forget. And the name was live. So, yeah. They obviously had a bit of faith in their material at this point in time as well, as you could rightly expect. Firstly, it's a brilliant song. Yeah. Absolute crackerjack of a song, I think. Yeah, it is. And there are things going on that make that happen. One of them that we have to address is the drums. Uh, Is that the drums that are just driving the song or the... the tribal drumming in the middle that is all of it yeah it's all of it joey sean and chris fantastic on this song mm. so it has for anyone who bizarrely hasn't heard this song but is listening to this podcast it has this repeated section of we call them a marching band drum section yeah tribally marching band they they come out and walk around with a strapped on drum don't they so yes they do we call it that there's a snare drum solo on it which is great joey's fantastic all the way through the song it's just the power of the drumming on this song is, is awesome. And it's another one. It's another steering wheel song. It's like banging on a steering wheel all the way through the song. Can't help and it. And that, that tribal midsection on the version on Live 9.0 is just, oh, is exceptionally good. They know what they're doing, these lads. Yeah, they're just so... Because that kind of drumming sounds like it should be simple, but it's so difficult to do and to do so crisply. And then to have three people doing it. Yeah, and make it sound like there's 300 of them. Yeah, Oh, just awesome. Absolutely awesome. It's worth actually, while we're doing the drums, it's worth dropping in the live versions here because for me, that's the highlight of those. So there's obviously loads of them and they're all worth watching on YouTube. Can't talk about them all, but we've both listened back to the the versions on the the various records. There's four or five on, you know, B-sides and extras and what have you. So there's a, a Madison Square Garden one, download one from 2009 and a couple of others. And... What I love about them is that they're, they're just a blister exists life, which in Slipknot land means they are 
great. They bounce like fuck. Sid's higher in the mix. And they're a bit faster than the album versions. Please and thank you. Over and done with. Yeah. And the, the versions that you get from when they were touring this album and they were opening their sets with this one, you you get that little fake announcement at the start as well that Slipknot aren't going to be forming tonight, which is kind of cute in a way. It sort of makes me think of cunning stunts and all of all of that sort of bit of... It made me think about dropping a mark off. Because <laughs> it's, sort of, it's one of those things that kind of exists in Slipknot law and you're aware of and you've heard before. And then when you actually rattle through repeatedly these live versions and you hear it, you think, that's actually quite shit. Because it's... There's sort of just the audio experience doesn't cut it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. There's such a like Slipknot aren't performing this evening. Here is Slipknot. There's no like it doesn't feel like there's any real peril there. But I'm sure had I been there at the time without knowing that that was happening, it would have been quite the moment. So I kept that mark on in the end. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that now because you know first night of the tour, somebody would tweet about it and then that's it. Everybody would know it was coming. But uh, yeah, you're right. As an audio only thing, it is a bit odd because Corey appears literally straight after the guy says they aren't performing <laughs> yeah. but i suppose you can't really start your first your first official live album with like five minutes of silence can you no and a riot <laughs> <laughs> not good so yeah it's a really really fascinating kind of opener i think because it they have bigger songs even on this album mm. even by the time they were touring this album there were songs on on volume three that that felt like live openers and yet they went with this because sonically it's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one as as an opener, if, if we're labelling it as that. Because in terms of the context of what Volume 3 brought, because this song, you know, you push play and yes, it's Slipknot doing heavy, but it's actually pretty different to what had come before it. And the amount of layers on this song, a really, really interesting hint at what the rest of the record has in store that follows. Because there's, you listen closely, and we talked about this on previous episodes, when you're doing this podcast and you listen to songs over and over again, you start scratching the surface when you pick out different things. And you listen back to this song, and there are little little bits of melody in there. There's little, mm. little bits of guitar playing that is... <sighs> Now, we all know that the two guitarists in Slipknot are incredible, shred-tastic axe players. But at that point, you know, I remember Total Guitar doing a cover feature with Mick before this album came out, where he was ripping the magazine in half because their their readers were saying that, you know, Linkin Park were better guitar players than Slipknot and stuff. <laughs> and you listen to the little nuanced guitar parts in this song, and it's it's kind of like, it's these little flourishes that show you that actually these guys in Slipknot can really play but mm. not to the not to the point as we again as we said before where it's it's self-indulgent and takes over it's still fitting into that over Slipknot mix and it's another one of those songs that has a bit of an unusual riff that kind of slams along and then again you scratch away and you've got these samples sitting underneath and you've got you've got Sid contributing some cool stuff as as usual and then the verse guitars come in which are pretty simple but really hard to do it's kind of yeah swirling it's virtuoso playing but it's pulled back at the same time and I think that combination that whole melting pot of all of those things of all of those little hints and stuff Slipknot hadn't really shown that on on recorded output by that point and for this to be it totally makes sense as to like okay we are in you know it's it's Slipknot Jim but not as we've known it up to this point we're, we're taking somewhere different on this album and we're, we're pushing ourselves across the board and it does 
But yeah, there are songs that are bigger in terms of a live opener, but this one really sets the tone for this record. And it totally makes sense that they opened this tour with it as well. I can I can absolutely see that. Yeah, it's got that stepped build from the very beginning, which works really well as a, a live opening track because it's kind of it starts off the first thirty odd seconds with this gradual build on what is quite a simple opening riff. The kind of thing that that might sound ordinary from a band that isn't then throwing nine people at it. <laughs> yeah, and then it's got the little one two three drop that feels like it's the song kicking in and then it actually hits the pocket with that main riff and that's the kind of one two three pardon the weird slip naughty pun build that really works at the start of a live set just as i'm kind of looking through a bit of timestamp stuff that the second half of the song is packed with blast beat and yet it doesn't feel like that kind of song because it they they drop back in the mix and joey's just there banging these blast beats out and the song is just carrying on as normal around it. And it just, it, it speeds it up a little bit, but it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't make it a black metal song. No. And then on top of all of this, you've got Corey Taylor, who is, he's angry. He's doing spoken stuff and he's going full on epic all in one song. I mean, the, you know, you, you listen to it again and really focus in on every individual part. And it it's everything that people rave about on volume three sort of, distilled onto one song isn't it is it everyone showing off their their chops it's this mm. band showing where they'd gone as songwriters and what 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 an impressive arsenal they could pull from in terms of yeah we can do this we can do this we can do this and it's, it's all in this one song that just sets you up for what is a from my point of view a just absolutely delightful experience of, of then going into the album as a whole mm. yeah when we did Gehenna we spoke about Corey's range then it's the actual extremities of what he's capable of. To me, this song is Corey's actual range writ large. You know, these are the things he can actually do that need to be done. Not just that he can just about reach. And I think, you know, in in Gehenna, those, that vocal would sound much better now, but here is the different sides of Slipknot Corey that you really want. Mm. And it's those different sections and every one of them is a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, the clean bit's fantastic. The, Epic bit is great. The gnarly bit is gnarly as fuck. And everything about this song just works. And yet, if you were to ask me to write down every Slipknot song in order of when they jump into my brain, I don't know when I'd get to this one. Yeah, it's it's quite a way down, isn't it? Yeah. Just because it's not it's not got that status as a big single and I guess it's it's not quite got that that vocal hook in the chorus that some of their bigger singles have and yet it's still an absolutely fantastic song mm. i mean i was i was looking for some looking at some reviews of this and the bbc bbc sounds like they liked it even more than i do i mean they said the blistery six proves that there is no finer metal band on the planet they said it's the first amazing moment on an album full of amazing moments brutal rabble rousing chants and ugly riffs are driven to an irresistible climax it sounds like a conquering army occupying a defeated city i mean yeah i'd go with that MTV, on the other hand, said it sounds like a genetic experiment between hate, breed, and system of a down gone terribly wrong. But um, pff, that's MTV, isn't it? They don't even play music anymore. Yeah, I mean, hold on. Hate, breed, and system of a down. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it says it's a genetic experiment gone terribly wrong. You don't want it to go right, though. It's slipknot, isn't it? Yeah. It's supposed to be a mutant. Have you heard any covers of this, Dave? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. Have you heard the one I've heard? It's the one you've heard from Sorrow to, to Serenity, which is on the 2019 Metal Hammer CD, March of the Maggots, by any chance. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, that's the one I'm referring to. Yeah, I 
don't like that cover. I don't like the guitar tone. There's no tribal feel to it. It's the midsection completely underwhelming. I, listening to this cover from 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 Sorrow to Serenity, it's the sort of thing you should play to somebody who doesn't understand what the percussion and Sid and Craig add to Slipknot yeah. sound because that band are just sort of straight up metalcore band and they've done a sort of straight up metalcore version of a really complex weird Slipknot song and doesn't work yeah I think I think I'm generous enough to call it a passable metalcore cover by a band that is inspired by Killswitch Engage really what gives you that idea I don't know it just came through while I was listening to it I'm familiar enough with them to sort of know that that's what they are anyway what disappointing to me is it doesn't have the edges it just feels clean yeah and Corey's bits which are so powerful on the Slipknot version it's just they don't stand out at all on that cover no it's just it's I think it's partly a product of its of the scene that that band sits in because it's it's this sort of modern metalcore little bit of genty stuff. It's very compressed. It's very you know the guitar tone is very genty and doesn't really work for this. But yeah, you want I I I would have this song as one of those ones that really only Slipknot should play. But if you are going to have someone cover this, you need a more chaotic band covering it. You you, you don't want want a polished metalcore band covering this you want someone who is rough around the edges and who who feels like they might fall over at any point because that's what this song feels like a lot of the time yeah it does dave yeah nightcore 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 night is in the opposite of day yeah what's nightcore <laughs> so nightcore is a genre of music i don't believe you which is, which is uh the, the custom is that the songs are covers and they are pitch shift absolutely beyond recognition. So they're super fast. And I, I believe there was a duo called Nightcore who originated this thing. No idea if this was actually them, but there is a Nightcore version of The Blister Exists and it is fucking appalling. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would have guessed that <laughs> without even listening to it. This is what we go through for this podcast. I listened to everything I could find on YouTube that had the Blister Exists attached to it. Oh, dear. And I can confirm there are other bad songs with this name as well. Mm-hmm. Are we going to talk about the video briefly? Yeah, I think we should, because we've, we've kind of touched on, on live quite a bit, and it is, at the end of the day, a live video, more or less, almost entirely in black and white, but not quite. Hmm. Yeah, it's not the sort of video they'd make anymore, is it? No, they have a, a pattern for the videos now, don't they? They'll start off an album cycle with the band not present in a video and then they'll go off into something weird for the first single proper. And it feels very un-clown to yeah. bash out a, a very decent, but a live video, which I quite like watching, to be honest. I, I think it's quite cool. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't get to see Slipknot on that tour and it's... I, I yeah I really enjoyed seeing footage of, and it's it seems to be that they were playing both massive venues and sort of theatre sized venues as well so it's it's that weird straddling of you know were they massive were they were they sort of academy sized venue at that point and yeah just seeing the variety of what went on on that tour and I think that set of masks is possibly one of my favourite set of masks yeah. as well so so again just getting to dive back into that era of Slipknot visually was nice. I, I don't think it, well, it's not even, I don't think it clearly doesn't have anywhere near the artistic merit 
of their later videos that Clown has been much more involved with. And it does feel a little bit like, okay, let's splice something together because we're going to put this out as a single and we need it to hit the video channels because at this point, video channels still had an influence. But that's that's what it is. Like you say, it's still an enjoyable watch. Yeah, and it's it's kind of intercut with little bits of bits of gore and an occasional flash of colour here and there. So there's there's some thought into it that are just a, a bunch of live footage wouldn't have. But it's quite nice to see because it's because it's such a a song of of different parts. Seeing Sean and Chris walking around the stage with those drums, it just adds something to you know. You feel like you're getting a little bit of the live experience of that song. You know, it's not just the the classic sort of Slipknot formation where everybody's exactly where you expect them to be. There are these moments in a Slipknot tour where people will pop up doing weird little things. You know, on the the most recent one, we've got you know Clown with his baseball bat on fire standing at the front of the stage bashing his keg so it's still happening now and it's those little set piece moments that just make it a little bit special and there's loads of that in this little video so i think it works really nicely it suits the song it, it's life as a live song is where it's at its strongest so i feel it's quite fitting that it has a live video well, I was going to mention live. It's not featured live in a Slipknot set since 2015. I mean, I don't know about you. I would gladly, gladly have this dropped into the set right now. And I would quite, without spoiling future episodes, I would quite happily bump out Psychosocial as the other one with the tribal drumming in the middle and have this in its place. I, I'd be well up for that. I think what we need is whole day festival curated and starring the band yeah yeah hmm, that'd be good wouldn't it maybe you'll stretch to uh, some of these slightly slightly deeper cuts fingers crossed who knows right we'll leave it there because we've uh, done enough of just saying it's great there's a surprising sort of lack of information about the actual roots of this song which is a little bit disappointing from our point of view but you never know what might crop up in the future and maybe we'll we'll revisit that with with a guest at some point in the future but for now we've got business to do we are scoring each song out of nine because slipknot and then stick it in a league table so let's get the first bit out of the way first dave you'll score out of nine i'm giving this seven which is the same mark i gave purity totally totally different songs but i reckon i like those two the same amount so uh seven out of nine and you're seeing the the difference in how scientific we are about this because i haven't bothered to look at what i gave other things again but i've also given it a seven because i like it seven out of nine good <laughs> uh so where does that put it okay so that puts it joint with kill pop and the heretic anthem Ooh. let me just quickly do you, do you want me to try and give you a rundown of the overall table given that we are two-thirds through season two yes we are let's do it as we as we are at the moment at this point in season two of our little podcast going from do you want bottom up or top down let's go bottom up okay so at the bottom the worst slipknot song with three and a half out of 18 combined score <laughs> is gehenna and then we've got do nothing bitch slap and then we've got Devil in Eye and Everything Ends jointly. Then we've got Only One. Then Purity. Then we have Kill Pop, Heretic Anthem, Blister Exists joined together. Then Snuff, Snightly Ahead. And then Vermilion Part 2. And then at the top of the leaderboard is All Out Life. So that's where we're at so far. Oh, All Out Life. Forgot about that. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be the top of the end. Even taking out my silly 0.25 mark, it would still be top if I'd have given it like just an, a, a round score it would still just be ahead of a million part two interesting i wonder if it might fall off the top before the end of this season who knows who knows right so that is the blister exists by slipknot you can't kill me is produced by this decay and we will be back 
See you later.